That's my cross. A couple weeks ago, we preached a sermon called That's My Promise. Last week, we preached a sermon called That's My Palm. Friday night, we had a healing service. We had a fantastic service Friday night. Preached a sermon called That's My Scar. This morning, the reason all of these sermons came about is because God gave me this sermon. I got to be honest, part of it came because Dad was telling me about a sermon he preached. And I began to say, oh man, I can preach that better than he can. And so I took his ideas and, and, and expounded on them and, did, and, and put my little twist on them. But today we've got to understand that every one of us have a cross. And we've got to decide which cross we're going to choose. Why don't you open your Bibles with me? Amen. Luke chapter 23, if you wonder why we yell, we yell because we get excited about the Word of God. Amen. Stand with me for the reading of the Word. Going to be reading uh, the first time today through the, from the New King James Version. Later on, I'm going to be rereading some of these verses in the New Living Translation. But tonight, I, th- this morning, to start off, I want to read this. Beginning in verse number 32, it says this. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and one on, on the, uh, and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine. And saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription was also written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are Christ, save yourself and us. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. We thank you for your glory. (coughs) We thank you for your power, for your anointing, and for your peace. And Lord, I pray that you would allow me to speak your word clearly and understandably. Lord, let me strike a chord in the hearts and lives of those who are in this house and those who may be watching this service online. And Lord, allow me, Lord Jesus, to share the good news that you have a plan for us that was paid for in the midst of trial. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This morning, I'm going to get into a, a, a little bit deeper about these two thieves 
and about these three crosses that are on the hill. As Jesus has been taken out to the cross, everybody around has mocked Him. The rulers, the soldiers, one of the thieves. They have looked at Him and they've cried out to Him and said, Do something! They have gambled for His clothes. They have... They have uh, um, uh, uh, they, they've tortured him. And now they stand by and look. As they've put an inscription above his head saying, This is the king of the Jews. That was not the proclamation we talked about last week. The proclamation where God allowed those in the triumphal entry to say, Behold, bless, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of the Jews. No, this one was a sneer, a joke, a ha ha ha. Yeah, you think you're the King of the Jews. You think you're somebody special. But the Bible says that there were two others. You ever wondered why God didn't allow Jesus, the Son of the living God, to have His own crucifixion day? You ever thought about He was important enough He could have been crucified by Himself? But God in His plan never think that the other two crooks were there by happenstance. Number one, we've got to get this understanding in our mind, nothing happens by accident. God has a plan. And in God's plan, He allowed two other men to be crucified with Him. One on His right side, and one on His left side. Each cross of the three crosses on Calvary represent a choice that we make. Each cross on the hill of Calvary, represent a decision that we will make. And today, I want to spend a few moments, and I use that term loose. I want to spend a few moments talking about which cross is yours. The first cross I see is the cross that is to the left of Christ. This is where everybody doesn't believe I can do this. To the left of Christ is a cross. The criminal on this cross is no different than the criminal across the way. He's very different from the Savior, the Messiah that hangs in the middle. But for him, he has a decision to make. His life has been full of bad decisions. He has chosen the wrong path every chance he gets to make a choice. His life has been full of deceit. His life has been full of criminal activity. I'm not talking about easy stuff. I'm talking about stuff that was serious enough that they have brought him today to kill him. They have nailed him to the cross just as they have nailed Christ. He has hurt. The only difference is, is he hasn't been whipped with 39 stripes from a cat of nine. But he still knows death is imminent. 
He still feels the pain of the nails in his hand. He still feels the awkward binding of knowing I'll never get off this cross alone. I tell people often, my desire if God allows me, I, I, I always say I want to either die holding Beth or preaching the gospel. But I don't want to know it's coming. I just want to be living and all of a sudden be dead. I, I don't want to know it's coming. I, if, if, I, if I die in a car wreck, I don't want to see the car coming to hit me. I just want to, just all of a sudden, whoa, what happened? I'm dead. But this crook, this criminal, hangs here knowing that death is imminent. He knows that he'll never live another day. He's heard the stories about this man, Jesus. Maybe even when he was still living a life of crime, he ran across somebody who told him about a blind man called out for mercy. This man, Jesus, healed him. Maybe, maybe, it's not in the Bible, so I, 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 you can't challenge it. Maybe he had a distant cousin. And, and her, her husband had died, and then her son had died. She was from Nain. And she, he heard how that maybe his cousin was taking her son out to bury him, and all of a sudden the, the procession met up with a man named Jesus in the middle of the road. And Jesus went to the casket and touched the young man, and he got up alive. But that wasn't enough to make it. Blinded eyes wasn't enough to make him believe. He was going to do his own thing. He was going to make his own choices. Now, as he's walked up the Via Della Rosa, the same path that Christ has walked dragging his cross, all of a sudden, thank the Lord my hands wasn't really nailed. My nose was. All of a sudden, he understands that there's something different about that man. They say he's the Messiah. They say he's the King of Kings. He's a miracle worker. But he also hears everybody around him mocking and making fun of him. He hears everybody around him asking him, if you're really the king, do something. And as this man hangs on a cross, he says, you're really the king. Put that verse up. I want to read this from the New King James, I mean from the New Living Translation. It says, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. Here's what he said. If you think you're all of that, Jesus, why don't you get down and bend your hair and get me down too? You know what he sounds like? Mm. Some of you are going to want to nail me this cross before this is over. What he sounds like is an Easter Christian. 
Oh, if you're really God, then you got one shot, Jesus. You better do something. You better grab me. I made it into the house of God today. God, you speak to me. You show me something. Or I'm going to go out and do my own thing again. What he sounds like is a half-hearted Christian that believes that coming to church gives you a right to say, God, oh, you think you're God. You think you're the Messiah. Then you better show up and do something for me. You see, sometimes we make the choice of the blaspheming thief. A choice to be selfish. A choice to look to the gracious, loving eyes of the Messiah. And say, it's your job. It's your responsibility. Save me. You need to show who you are by saving me. Because it's all about me. It's about what I am. What I can do. Oh, Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, then get down off that cross and save me. And then maybe I'll tell other people how good you are. But you know why this man hung on a cross? Because if Jesus had a Savior, Jesus had to pull him off the cross, he would have went back because his blessing, his deliverance was never about Christ's power. It would have always been about his request. You want to know why some of you are struggling over and over again? Because the blessings that you have experienced in your life, you've never made them about God's glory. You've made them about your request. And that gives you a mindset that whenever things get rough, all you got to do is ask Jesus and he'll bail me out. Mm. Jesus isn't a spoiling mama that bails you out every time you get in trouble. Jesus is a righteous judge that gets justice and and direction when it's deserved. This thief, this thief, nailed to a cross, knowing that he was going to die, still made his life and his death about him. And when this thief was dead, eternal punishment was his. But isn't it good news to know that Jesus, that God in His plan, didn't only put two crosses on the hill? Mm. Somebody needs to shout because there wasn't two. There were three. Because this picture would have been that none of us have the ability to choose and trust. But the Bible says there were two crosses. Besides Jesus. And to the right of Jesus hung another thief. We know of him as the crooked thief. We know of him as, as the repentant thief. He had lived the same kind of life that the other thief had lived, he had made bad decisions. Again, not just little white lies, but he had made the decisions that had led him to the place that he was being nailed to a cross. He too had heard, he too had heard 
about this man, Jesus. You see, maybe he had a he had a had a brother-in-law. No, it wouldn't have been a brother-in-law, it would have been a brother, I guess, that met this woman in Samaria. And she was sort of cute. His brother got mixed up with her, and she was bad news. Married her, and it wasn't too long. They were divorced. But later on, he heard, after she had been married five different times, she was living with some guy she didn't even, wasn't even married to. She heard that she had been down by the well in Samaria one day. And this man, Jesus, had went and talked. And he offered her a living water that would never run out. And the last he heard is she had went into Samaria saying, come and see a man who told me all things that I've ever done. And there was a great revival there because of this ex-sister-in-law. No, she had to be fake. His mom had told him about a friend of hers. Her son had wound up living in the tombs. And they couldn't capture him. They couldn't get a hold of him. But this man Jesus showed up one day and went over and said, what's your name? And the man said, my name is Legion. We are many. And the demons inside of this man said, Why have you come to torture us? And Jesus said, they said, can we go into the pigs? Can we go into the pigs? Jesus just said, go. The demons went into the pigs and they ran down the mountain into the lake, drowned. His mama told him how her friend's son wound up clothed and in his right mind and was going to follow this man, Jesus. But when he went to get in the boat, Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. You stay here and you go tell the story. You tell everybody what I've done. His mama told him that a little while later, Jesus came back to that region. And there was a crowd of 4,000 men waiting to hear the gospel. As a result of her friend's son telling about it. But that wasn't enough. He still made the decisions. He still, just like the other one, he wanted to do his own thing. But somewhere, as he walked down the Via Della Rosa, somewhere, as he trailed behind Christ, he had stepped in Jesus' blood. Somewhere, as he hears the soldiers mocking, He hangs his head. And he sees the blood on his feet. And he begins to understand that that's not normal. He hears the railings of who may have been one of his partners in crime. And the Bible says this. Go to that verse. The Bible says, but the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God when you've even been sentenced to death? 
We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your Then, on the cross, dying of his bad decisions, dying for his sin, understanding that he deserved to be here, covered in the blood of the Lord, he looked to Christ and said, Remember me. Remember me. And Jesus, with love and mercy, said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will have the victory that you're looking for. Let me tell you something. Some of us are on this cross. We've made wrong decisions. We've done the wrong things. We lived our life the way we want to live life. But somewhere we got the vision of Christ's blood. We got the understanding of our sin. We cried out with mercy, God, this isn't about me. This is about you. I deserve to die. Remember me. Save me. That's why we talk with such joy and privilege about that salvation experience, that night, that day, that morning, that altar, that bedside, that place where we prayed that prayer. Say, God. This man repented on the cross. He knew, just like the other, that he wouldn't live another day. He repented on the cross, and he got the same reward that I will get. Why? That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. Because our salvation is not bought by what we've done or what we haven't done, but rather it's paid for by what Jesus did. But most of you this morning, aren't hanging on a cross. Most of you this morning, I hope all of you this morning, are going to live to see another day. Sister Connie this morning said, I'm always good. As long as I'm on the right side of the ground, I'm doing good. Most of you have another month, another year, another decade to live. Most of us in this room, we're not hanging on a cross waiting for death to overtake us. We're not sitting in the room with a gun pointed at our head saying, will you believe? Yes, that would be a terrible thing to face. But knowing what I know about Christ, I believe that sometimes it would be easier for me to say, yes, I believe if I think I'm about to die, but if I know that I've got to live with what I say, sometimes I don't know if I want Jesus following me. So what are we to do? Well, the Bible very clearly tells us, he says that we're to be crucified with Christ. Paul writing to the Galatians, 
in Galatia, in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says this, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. He's saying, it's great to be over here on this cross and say, God, forgive me. But when you get off of there, when you realize that you've got a life to live, then there comes a place where you have to get up here and the old man becomes crucified with The old man becomes crucified with Christ. The old you, the sinful you, the painful you, the one that makes bad decisions becomes crucified with Christ. And then it says the old me, and it says it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So now it's not my life anymore, but now it's the life of Jesus Christ that people see. It's not me looking from a cross at Christ on a cross, but when people look at me, they see Christ. They see Jesus. I've come by here today, and I'm telling you that you need to sacrifice the old you. If we refuse to be crucified with Christ, if we refuse to let the old man die, if we refuse to let those bad decisions be nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, then we are making a decision that we will live and die blasphemous. We will live and die about me. About me. I'm more, well, I go to church. But I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to do this. Oh, I'd serve God and I want to serve God, but I don't want anybody telling me what I can and can't do. Hmm? You're more than welcome to die. Pastor, that was harsh. That's what happens when we're without Christ. We die. When we make it about us, we say we don't want the old man to die. I want you. I want you, God. I, I want to serve you. But you know how you made me. And I still like to gossip a little bit. Well, I've been on these all week. I still like those chocolate chip cookies. I don't drink too much. I mm. This is Easter. I'm supposed to be nice. No, forget it. I got to have time with my family. So now you wonder why your family don't come to church because you taught them that everything else came before church. You've taught them that everything else in your life, jobs and lakes and vacations and all those things are important, but they can't come before God. Because then we're making it about us. But when we're crucified with Christ, He's scared to death of I'm stepping on theirs, not yours. 
when we're cruci- when the old man is crucified with Christ, then when we when we walk away, it's not us anymore. It's him. He becomes our hope. He becomes our power. So here's the question. Which cross is your cross? Is it all about you? Is it all about your hurts? I'm trying to close and God keeps giving me stuff. Hey, I'm doing great on time. You know why some people don't worship God? Because a pastor one time hurt you. And it's become your excuse. Because somebody in church said something about you. And it made you mad. And I want you to hear what you're saying. God, if you're really God, then you'll take care of my hurt. My hurt is more important than my worship. The attack that was on me is more important than my ability to give everything up and forgive for you. The unforgiveness has caused you to become blasphemous. It's caused you to say, I don't want you for you. You've got to do something. Is that you? Are we over here? where we understand this may be your day. And I've missed it. You know what? We all have. I gave my heart to the Lord the first time when I was four years old in the kids' crusade with Sister Aldine Boshier. Don't tell me I couldn't get saved at four. I know I did. I remember the message. I remember the words she said and I remember the prayer I prayed. There came a time that I had walked away from. But at about 16, I saw the effects of God in me. And I realized that it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my family. It wasn't about my daddy. But I realized that I needed God to have mercy on me because I needed mercy. God saved me. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, you don't understand all the bad decisions I've made. You don't understand everything I've done wrong. It doesn't matter. Jesus is here to forgive. He's here to give you mercy. This grace that everybody talks about, it's not a free reign to do anything you want to do, but it is the call and the love of God that says, listen, you don't have to pay the price. I will pay the price of admission for you. I will cover your sin. But then maybe there's a third group in this room. Maybe you've accepted But you're still trying to hold on to the old man. The addiction still has a hold on you. The dishonesty still has a hold on you. The religiosity still has a hold on you. 
the hurt, the pain, the sorrow still holds you and you still struggle day to day and you don't understand why God won't help you. It's because you need to get on the cross with Him and let the old man be crucified with Christ. So that it will no longer be you who live, but Christ who lives. Will somebody come to I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. I don't do this so that people can sneak into the kingdom. I do this to make the first step easier. Because you're going to be, there's going to be a second step. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Tommy, I've been hanging on the wrong cross. I've been holding on to my death. And I want to ask God to give me his life. You're here and you say, Pastor, I just want to ask God to remember me, to give me a place. Do you lift your hand up? Right now it's just me and you. Yes. No one else, yes. This is your chance. This is your chance. I want everybody in this building to pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I have sinned. I deserve death. But Lord, I believe you died. You were buried for me. You arose again for me. And today I confess, you are the Lord of my life. I commit to live my life for you. To give you my heart. To give you my mind. Everybody raise their hand and pray that prayer, believing, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but you believed when you prayed that prayer, new name is written in heaven. But that's not the end of this. Because in America, some 40% of people say they believe in God and go to church, but only 20% actually. You know what that tells me? There's a lot of people who have said, God, remember me, but they have not been crucified with Christ. They have not let their old man die. you're in this house today, this is going to take courage. This is going to take courage. I'm going to be honest with you. It's all right to tell you that pastors struggle sometimes. It's all right to tell you that sometimes the pastor struggles with faith. It's one of those times I struggle with faith. I believe there are people here that are holding on to the past. They're holding on to the old man. They haven't given themselves completely to God. They haven't been crucified with Christ. They're still trying to live their life instead of letting Christ live for them. i got to be honest, sometimes I struggle if any of them are courageous enough to get up and come in front and say, I want to. 
Pastor, why would you tell us that? Because maybe, maybe you can hear with your ear what you're hearing with your heart. And say, I know this isn't going to be easy, but I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. Well, Pastor, what does it matter? What does it matter? Jesus, God said, Jesus said this in Revelation, I would that you be hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you, spit you, vomit you out of my mouth. Do you really believe living, holding on to the pain and the hurt and the anger and the selfishness of the blasphemous cross is going to be anything beyond lukewarm? This is just enough. This is just as much about your eternal victory as that one was. I say it all the time. The Sunday after, forget the Sunday, the night of the the resurrection, the church will be full. People will be praying. I say this all the time. Usually I get a few extra keys back. You understand that means somebody with a key and knows how to turn on the sound system, the lights will still be here. Tell you something. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying so many of us get caught up in trying to live our life that we forget to let Him live our life. You're here today. And the Spirit of God pricked your heart. You've had that, mm, that, that tingle in the pit of your stomach. That thought that runs through your mind, you know He's talking about you. If all that you're thinking about is the things that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing, or the things that you're not doing that you know you should be doing, Oh, I'm not here to give you condemnation. I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit is pulling you with conviction and saying it's time to be crucified with Christ. It's time to let me come in and let me guide the way. I can show you how to get the freedom. That's you. And if you've got the guts, if you've got enough desperation, to be tired of life the way you've got it right now. If you've been thinking there's got to be better than this, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come stand across front of this church. This is your chance. There we go. There we go. Now you know you're not going to be alone. If that's you, this is your chance. God wants to live your life for you. Dear Lord, right now. Mm. The old man, Lord, crucify the old man. Crucify the old man, Lord Jesus. Lord, let him die on that cross with you. But Lord, now let 
Thomas no longer live, but let you live through him, Lord Jesus. Lord, right now, Lord, take over every aspect of his life. Lord, you begin to lead, you begin to guide, you begin to direct. Lord, I believe in your power. I believe in your anointing, Lord. And Lord, I have been, the old man has been crucified with you. Crucified with you, and Lord, now you live, not I. Lord, now it's your life. Now it's your power. Now it's your understanding. Now it's your strength. You live. Lord, more, 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 more. Lord, let me be crucified with you, Lord, so that you can be more of my life. Lord, let you take the lead. Let you take the guide, Lord. I will trust. I will believe. I will, I will follow, Lord Jesus. It's not me. It's you. Lord, it's not me anymore. It's you, Lord. I'm crucified. I'm dead. I, the old me died on that cross with you so that the new me can live alive with you. But right now, Lord, I believe it. Lord, I receive it. Lord, I walk in your victory. Walk in your power. Things in love, how can we true? You, my king, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now. And if there's anyone else in this room, are watching video. Lord, if there's anyone who needs to let their old self down the cross so that their new self can be overshadowed by you, so that you can live in our place. Lord, I pray that you would let conviction grow in their hearts. Not condemnation, not anger, not hurt, but let the loving conviction, the power of the Holy Spirit that draws us. And let them remember the words of this message. Let them understand that you're waiting for them to give it all up so that you can show them what your life is. Lord, I look to hear testimony of complete surrender.
In Jesus' name. Thank you for being here this morning. I invite you to be back tonight. We're going to be preaching uh, a sermon called That's My Tomb. You're not going to want to miss this. Uh, it's going to be a great sermon. And then next Sunday, we'll be doing communion. We're doing communion a week after Easter. We're going to be doing communion in a sermon called That's My Jesus. It's going to be a great time. Look forward to seeing you tonight at 6 o'clock. Shake hands. Be friendly. Tell somebody you love them. Everybody, God loves them. You're dismissed. Have a happy, happy Easter.